0: This is Herb Montgomery, and I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you who are supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries. It's people like yourself that enable us to exist and to be a positive resource in our world in the work of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. If you're unfamiliar with Renewed Heart Ministries, we are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about centering a set of values and ethics and the experiences of those on the undersides and margins of our society. Informed also by the sayings and the teachings of the historical Jewish Jesus of Nazareth. If you'd like to support our work, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. But for now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 195 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. Our title this week is Something More Than Solomon and Jonah. Our uh, feature text is Sayings Gospel Q 11, 31 through 32. The Queen of the South will be raised at the judgment with with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something more than Solomon is here. Ninevite men will arise in the judgment with their generation, with this generation, and condemn it for they repented at the announcement of Jonah and look something more than Jonah is here. Our companion text this week is Matthew 12:41 through 42. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now something greater than Jonah is here. Uh, the queen of the south will rise in judgment with this generation and condemn it uh, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom and now some uh, something greater than Solomon is here. And Luke 11, 31-32, the Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the gospel, oh, with the people of this generation, and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Well, this week's saying is part of an apocalyptic worldview, that hopes for a a future retributive, uh, transformative judgment. And on on that day in the future, the Jewish people expected all injustice, all oppression and violence would be put right. And many also expected retribution against their oppressors and and those at the, the helm of Unjust systems perpetrating violence against the the people of Israel, and for a summary of of the Jewish apocalyptic worldview that that was held by many uh, in the first century uh, Jerusalem, uh, you can take a look at our uh, podcast our e site entitled "An End of the World Savior versus Present Liberator." We we talked about that this uh, at length last year, and I'll put a link to to this in uh, the e site this week. But those who subscribe to the Jewish apocalypticism, they also We also look forward to a resurrection, and you can see this in Daniel 12, verse 2. And our saying this week references the resurrection both of the Queen of Sheba and the people uh, uh, we considered last week, the the Ninevites, the people of Nineveh. This statement, uh, this saying is powerful because both of these figures uh, were Gentile. And the Pharisaical school of Shammai would have considered them morally inferior to Jews based on this alone. And Jesus placing them in a a position to pass moral judgment on that generation of Jews... That would have provoked no small response from his listeners. And what was happening in Jesus's society uh, that would have warranted him saying this? Well, the situation in Jerusalem, let's talk about that for a second, uh, during the time of Jesus, the socioeconomic and political situation in Galilee and Jerusalem, it was escalating toward a breaking point. The rich were exploita- exploiting the, the, the poor through a, a plutocracy centered in Jerusalem and the temple there. and, and property power, prosperity, privilege, and profit were valued far above the lives of people at whose expense they were acquired. In addition, a movement that was gaining ground among the poor and the working class had the potential to literally uh, uh, burn the whole thing down, literally. And this movement, which was led by the Zealots and their charismatic messiahs, it sought militaristic revolt to overthrow the oppression of the, the Roman Empire and the, and the Jewish aristocracy, overthrowing them too uh that made their the, the the lives of the poor and the working class that made their lives a commodity now, history now reveals that violent zealotry uh it did win the day in Jerusalem that was the movement that 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 won the most uh, followers. It led to the Jewish and Roman War of 66-69, and, and one didn't need divine revelation to look at how Romans had treated rebellions in the past and and to discern the fate of militaristic rebellion by, by the economically exploited people in Jesus' day. Throughout history, the masses have not had the same access to the same kind of power as the elite. Uh, the masses' power is, is a different kind of power. And and that was what Jesus was casting uh, before the imagination of the oppressed in his society, a different kind of power, a different use of power. Um, uh, and we've talked about that elsewhere. But whereas those who followed the path of violent revolt in Jerusalem ultimately rejected Jesus' vision, his vision of, of uh, shared resources and nonviolent resistance. Uh, and this week's saying... Uh, this week's saying comes long before that rejection became complete. This is a, a warning given in the language of Jesus' own time and place, and and it was given, uh, including those that were characterized as being morally inferior, uh, they would rise up on the Day of Judgment and condemn Jesus' generation. And according to the Jewish folklore, about the Queen of Sheba, she recognized wisdom when she saw it. In the Jewish story about Nineveh, Ninevites, they repented when they heard Jonah's announcement. And whether Jesus would have described himself as wiser than Solomon and greater than Jonah, or as or followers added this later, the question that emerges from this week's saying is, what would those in our sacred stories think of the decisions that we are making today? we rarely uh, imitate those people from history who we hold up as models and and it's not that we lack the courage or the wisdom that they had rather we lack the ability to recognize uh, history repeating itself. Spin doctors stay busy keeping the masses from seeing the parallels that that prophets call people to see. And in our saying this week, Jesus is using figures from Jewish history that represent wisdom and repentance and calling his audience in their time and circumstances to do as these examples did. Um, the, the, The Queen of the South embracing wisdom and the Ninevites practicing repentance, these were considered outsiders in Jesus' Jewish community. And this was a light uh, from outside. And today, I see parallels within Western Christianity and the way some Christians. Uh, characterize popular culture, the way they characterize science and secularism and, and progressive liberalism. If Jesus were addressing sexism, classism, racism, and cis-heterosexism today, uh, I wonder if he would say that secular secularists, uh, liberals, scientists, would arise in the judgment and condemn American evangelical Christians for their failure. To recognize wisdom and repent of their failure to to defend minorities they've failed to defend the downtrodden. Evangelicals have most often, in American culture, knowingly and unknowingly opposed eliminating political, social, and economic inequalities. And uh, I'll put a link to some history uh, in this week's East Side in this too. Uh, there's an article I'd like you to read entitled "It wasn't abortion that formed the the religious right; it was support for segregation." Uh, it's an interesting read. I think you'll enjoy it. But today, especially after America's most recent election season, evangelical Christianity has lost its witness. It's no longer credible in matters of compassion. For a recent account, uh, read a New York Times article the evangelicalism of old white men is dead. And many evangelicals especially I'll put a link to that in this week's site too, but many evangelicals, especially here in West Virginia, uh, they've now chosen violent solutions to their desperation about their economic status and they've been duped into choosing destructive options uh, for others solving uh, the, 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 the challenges of the future uh, at the expense of others. And, and I've heard from some people that Christians should not be political, and that's, that's not the case. It's rather that white evangelical Christians today, unlike Jesus, have and continue to come down on the wrong side of oppression rather than on the side of the oppressed uh they've come down on the wrong side of oppression ra- rather than on the side of the poor the the side of the subjugated and and the side of the, they haven't come down on the side of the marginalized marginalized they they're usually the ones that are behind those movements that are doing the marginalization, and and especially here in in this state. And you can compare Jesus's words in Luke 4, 18 through 19, how Jesus was on the side of the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized. And his followers today, many often are are not. In the book, Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time, Marcus Borg, he he wrote, and this is page 58, there is something boundary-shattering about the imago Dei that stood at the center of Jesus's message, and activity. Be compassionate as God is compassionate. Whereas purity divides and excludes, compassion unites and includes... The purity system created a world with sharp and social boundaries between the pure and the impure, righteous and sinner, whole and not whole, male and female, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile. For Jesus, compassion had a radical socio political meaning. In his teachings and table fellowship, and in the shape of his movement, the purity system was subverted and an alternative social vision affirmed. The politics of purity was replaced by a politics of of Compassion. Again, that's uh, page 58. Politics, by definition, is the discussion of who should be in control of both power and resources. Sim- simply put, uh, politics is answering the question, who gets what? And Jesus's message was deeply political. He spoke almost exclusively about power and resources in his own society and, 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 and within his own religious community. And he taught that power and resources, that they should be shared by everyone in the community, rather than hoarded and wielded by the elite. And you can cross-reference that with Matthew 23, verse 8. But Jesus demonstrated a politics of compassion, and, and he offered political and socioeconomic solutions rooted in the power of community and mutuality, as opposed to options that, that depend on violence or, or a new hegemony or, or, or the exclusion of the other, whoever we deem as other and there are deep parallels and, and comparisons to our time and, and much to contemplate. This week, saying, once again, the queen of the south will be raised at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon and look some, something more than Solomon is here. Ninevite men will arise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the announcement of Jonah and look something more than Jonah Is here. Again, that's Sang's Gospel Q 11 31 through 32. Evangelicals today uh, have chosen the wrong Messiah. Heart group application this week in 1963 at Western Michigan University. Dr. King spoke these words There are certain things in our nation and in our world which I am proud to be maladjusted to and which I hope all men of goodwill will be maladjusted until the good societies realize, I say very honestly that I never intend to become adjusted to segregation and discrimination. I never intend to become adjusted to religious bigotry. I never intend to adjust myself to economic conditions that will take the necessities from the many to give luxuries to the few. I never intend to adjust myself to the madness of militarism, to self-defeating effects of physical violence. And to each of you this week who are refusing to become adjusted to the events that are transpiring around you, let me just first this week affirm you. As 2016 is drawing to a close, um, what I would like our heart groups to do is just to come together as a group. And make a list of all the social or societal justice concerns that you became more informed about this past year. Do that first. And then, number two, some of you have come a long way this year. Think about where you began in 2016 and and take time to contemplate your own personal progress and and, and, and your increasing awareness uh, that's taken place over the last 12 12 months. And then take time to, to let your journey this year just sink in. And then, number three, read. Luke 4, 18-19. I referenced it earlier. I'll give it to you here again. Luke 4, 18-19. Read it together as a group and start brainstorming about possible goals you would like to, to work towards together in the coming year. We aren't making any decisions at this stage. Uh, we're just simply brainstorming about what possible directions uh, your group could, could grow towards. And to each of you reading this, uh, thank you for checking in with us this week. However, uh, you choose to celebrate the holidays that are coming up, uh, whether you choose to even celebrate at all. Uh, we wish you much love, much peace, and much justice as this year begins to wrap up. And whatever the future holds, remember our most valuable commitment is to each other. We can face whatever tomorrow brings much more sustainably if we do so alongside one another. We are in this together. We here at Renewed Heart Ministries love each one of you dearly. Keep living in love, and I'll see you next week. Thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is done with the purpose of making these resources as free as possible. And to do so, we need the help of people like yourself. If you'd like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to renewedheartministries.com and clicking on the Donate tab at the top right of the homepage. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 249. 901. Make sure you also sign up for our free resources on our website, and we have a monthly newsletter that we mail out, and there's just much, much more. Remember, everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free, and every little bit helps. And anything we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily pass on to other not-for-profits that we feel are making both systemic and, and personal differences in the lives of those less privileged within our status quo. And for those already supporting our work, again, thank you. Together, we are making a difference, making our world a safer, more just, more compassionate home for us all.